Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the Future of Email. My guest today, Melanie Balke, CEO and founder of the Email Marketer. Marketers? Marketers. 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 I didn't tell you this in advance, Melanie. You are guest number 100. Wow. Lucky number. Episode number. Episode. 100. So, um, kind of, kind of fun. I think it's almost three years we've been, uh, we've been doing this. So, uh, nice to have you. So, so you're an email person, I think. Yes. Yes. I think so too. I hope I am. Phil, uh, just top line your agency, what you focus on, who your customers are and so on. Yeah. So we're the email marketers. Um, as the name says, we do email and SMS. We started predominantly focusing on e-commerce. That was really our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. But we expanded to doing more B2B SaaS businesses as well. Um, yeah, we really help companies in two ways. One, we function as their outsourced email department. Yeah. Well, if you don't want to build an email department in-house for whatever reason, it's too expensive or you don't want to deal with it, we do that full thing from A to Z. Mm-hmm. Or we help companies actually build an email team in-house with a done-with-you kind of service. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah, I read about the, the, the done with you service. I thought that was adroit and a very, actually very interesting move just because you'll hear that debate. Oh, we should totally do this in house. Uh, we don't know how to do it. And you're going to, yeah. we can, we can help. Um, G- Ger- Germany originally. Yes. Yeah. And, I and agree. as much, it seems like as much a junkie of higher ed as I am, like four, I think I saw four different schools on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, I'm curious, how did you go from, I think you were at an influencer marketing, like an agency, and you got sucked into email specifically, and you're darn well younger than I am. Why email? Well, total coincidence. It actually happened pre-agency. We, um, I, you know, in Germany, I, I worked in consulting, so I had a consulting background. And when I came to the U.S., I joined one of the first, if not the first, e-com furniture businesses to sell made-to-order sofas online. Okay. When I joined them, I was their first marketing hire. And like a typical consultant, I joined and I did a full analysis of everything. <laughs> okay. One of the big pieces they were missing was email because they were selling these $2,000 sofas online and never bothering to think about cross-selling coffee tables, nightstands, bed frames, or even just pillows and throws, which is all products they had. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And like in a typical startup, it's not like you get a team to do it with. It's like you figure out how to do it and you do it. (laughs) And so I taught myself email marketing. I consumed about every blog that exists in in the World Wide Web and just rolled out what I thought would be a good strategy. And it was a good strategy. And it was kind of neat to see how much money you can actually make with email marketing. And that made me fall in love with it. then when I left that brand, I went in-house for an agency and originally in a very generalist position, but they were selling email to their clients and realized they had no one who actually does email. They don't have an email department. Well, one person who knows how to do email and it's me. And so um, that was part of why they had hired me originally more generalist, but then eventually just kind of like leading the email department. Right. Okay. Okay. And. There's a bunch of stuff I want to unpack or sort of delve into there. Um, when you say do email, let's let's assume that some of the people might be listening to or watching this are are not as involved in this as maybe you are, and and to some extent I am. You're not talking about like the bits and bytes of of, of send. Those for the most part are handled by platforms these days. What is someone who does email focus on? Do pay attention to like. Tell me about the game of doing that. Very good question. Um, I think it boils down into a couple of different pieces. One is strategy, right? You want someone who looks at the data, who looks at your customer lifecycle, who looks at your customer and understands what their pain points are and whatnot, mm-hmm. and builds a strategy around that. So both for your automated lifecycle, which is like person comes to my website or person booked a call or somehow they turn into a lead. Mm-hmm. How do I hit them with automated messages to turn them into a customer? Mm-hmm. And the second thing is your campaign. So if you're an e-commerce, your Mother's Day campaign or whatnot, or Black Friday campaigns, yeah. like yeah. more time-sensitive things. Yeah. So building a strategy for that 
And then writing the emails, designing the emails, if necessary, not all of them have to be designed, and actually implementing them in your ESP, segmenting what segment you're going to send it to, which has become so much more important than it used to be even. Um, I mean, like back in the day, you could probably just go send to everyone and you would have been fine. Now, post iOS 14 and with the, you know, new deliverability, I don't want to call them restrictions, but guidelines that are coming next year, Mm -hmm. uh, especially, you know, you have to be really good at like segmentation for deliverability as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. And and the iOS 14 reference for those of you who don't play email baseball all day, um, Apple essentially said, we're going to auto open every email as far as the loading signal that was used for 20 odd years to say, Melanie opened this email, Matthew didn't. Yeah. So we lost that. Who's opening? We don't know. Um, and come February, uh, the big, the bigger inbox guys, the, the Gmails, Yahoo's, Comcast, and so on, are going to go. Hmm, sending a lot of email. Uh, we want you to be authenticated, valid, legit behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Because frankly, fighting spam is the constant battle that they're facing. They're just trying to keep up with that flood. I think. Yep. Yeah. Air, um, I think it was iOS 15 actually that hit 15, email. 15. iOS 14. I made a mistake there. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. And I think that battle is only going to become more intense, right? Because email's been around forever and everyone always says email's dead. I have this funny sticker here somewhere. You got the email sticker? Yes. Um, But I do think, you know, because it's not dead and more people are getting into the inboxes, the leverability restrictions are just going to get higher and higher and more more strict. Agreed. Um, let me give you a couple of things to see what you think of it. One, because email is still an open channel, not really owned by anybody, the, the potential for abuse of that channel is, is always part of the landscape. I don't actually have to ask permission to send someone a message. So there are guys who do that by the millions a day without asking for permission. Yep. That message, that interruption, that storage space, all that other stuff, unwanted. Yep. And so we're all playing this constant keep up game. I got to tell you, I, I noticed that you use Superhuman, which we might, might want to discuss at some point. The the um, very cool email email client. Thank you. I do a lot of delete based on who sent first thing in the morning. Like they don't even get read because invariably, especially if you're at all active professionally, you end up with, why am I getting email from like this guy, this guy, that list, that list, that list, and reading it to screen it. I don't have time unsubscribing. I should, but I could spend all day getting unsubscribed. So it's just like, oof, gone, right? Never yeah. even seen. And some will be back tomorrow. And I, I you know, kind of it's easier to deal with that in five minutes than to spend a day trying to winnow it down. Um, so the 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 inbox guys having to grapple with that and try to get some return on the fairly amazing infrastructure they provide for inboxes. Um, it's a reasonable thing to do. I'm actually, I appreciate that, that they're continuing to fight the good fight and say, we want legit stuff. We don't want unwanted, not legit stuff. But as a marketer, how do you tread that, that sort of perilous dividing line that says, stay legit, be seen as legit, make sure the signals say should be delivered, not should go into the bit bucket. I mean, I think, you know, it's almost just be a good sender. That's what I tell people. Be a good sender. sender. I mean, like, it sounds so simple, but it really is like, just don't spam people and actually ask yourself, you know, does my email have reason for existing in this person's inbox? Like, is there any value add that I'm providing? And I think that's really the the crux of it, right? Then you can get into the technicality of like setting up your your technical side of the inbox sure, and sure. segmentation and whatnot. But like at the core of the value is just like, am I being a good sender? And I think what people forget too with email, which is something I always harp on, is email is a really great way to build community. Email is for a lot of personal brands. You see this, right? They send emails. Those are the emails that always get open. That's where they get their leads from for their coaching business or whatnot because they're focusing on value. They're going, I'm going to send an email and this person's going to love my email. It's going to be so helpful that eventually they're going to want to be a client. 
And I think that's a really good way to look at email and, and other brands, even e-commerce brands should look at it that way more. Like, how do I use email to build community and provide value for my customers or even my prospects who are not yet customers? And layer that on top of the transactional stuff where you'd want to generate the sale, I think will allow you to have a, have a solid email system. Well put. Yeah. Yeah. Very well put. It's a good, that's a good synthesis of, <laughs> of all of the uh, advice and blogs and so on um, that you read. And it's not hard over a, you know, a cup of coffee or a beer to say, what would a good sender do? You're like, don't be a dork. You know, yep. think of them first. Like, oh, like all that kind of stuff. But don't companies struggle to keep that in mind and keep that staffed and resourced versus, oh, crap, sales are down. Can we just blast everybody and goose sales a little bit? For sure. I think that's also the common misconception people have that they think if they just blast everybody's sales will go up, right? Mm -hmm. I have yet to see that like come true. It's that yeah. someone was like, it's like some C-level executive. They're like, we have a million emails. Just send to all of them. And then there's some poor email person who's like, no, no, please, please don't. don't and they say, no, no, we're going to send to all of them. Um, or they just have don't have an email person. And there's some poor marketing coordinator that does has no experience with email that goes and does blast everyone. And people don't realize, like, one, that doesn't work, right? It's like, it just does not work. Yeah. No. Doing that over a long period of time will absolutely crush your email program. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many accounts I go into and I'm like, oh my God, you guys have been sending like for months, if not years to everyone, right? You haven't segmented anything yeah. and you are getting the data that no one's opening because your open rates are like 5%. Your crit rates are like 0.1% or something ridiculous. Like you are getting that data, but you're just ignoring the, the feedback, right? If you look yeah. at the yeah. feedback, yeah, you're actually able to understand like, oh, something here is not working. And and I get it. Listen, like if I had a million people email list, it would be really hard to accept that 30% of those people will just naturally churn every year. Yeah. Not churn just doesn't just mean unsubscribe. It like means they stop using your email address or they just opt delete your email like you do. Yeah. Or they, you know, or life moves on. You're like, ah, I don't have time for that right now. You know, easier to, easier to get it out of my face. I'm, I want to, I want to hook over to B2B and then come back to, uh, back to the good sender thing in a minute, but you mentioned that you've expanded from e-commerce to, to B2B, you know, as a B, as a business, I find B2B, uh, you know, business outreach to be harder and harder and just aggravating as heck these days. Like the blast screens people have up professionally are very, very hard yeah. to get through or to get around, but just like, like, Hi, I've got a gold brick I want to give you. No, seriously. Nah, sorry, don't have time. Can't, can't. What, do you, what do you advise your B2B clients? What's a good sender in B2B? That's a very good question. Um, I think, think about the types of emails you would want to receive. So what we send, like, let's say B2B cold email. Mm -hmm. That's a really good example, right? Because cold email is so inundated for B2B. Like everyone wants to sell me cold email, actually. <laughs> yes. But like everything, right? Video production, yada, yada. And I'm like, with cold email, I think a lot of it comes down to what can you do for me? How are you different than others? And don't waste my time. I actually don't think those cutesy, long, cold email outreach emails, like I'm not even going to read that. I don't no. even have time to read emails from people I know, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, keeping that in mind, I think, what are the types of emails you would want to receive as a, as a business person? And then for like warm email stuff, you know, I think in B2B education is really big. So education around subject matter is huge because usually what happens is people go, okay, now I have all this information. What do I now do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, where do I go with this? Like, let's say you're an HR platform, right? And your whole thing as an HR platform is you help businesses stay compliant with all the different regulations. Well, here's the thing. Most people have no idea what the different regulations is. They yeah. don't know. And I, I've just learned about more regulations. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like insanity. And I have to do something different for every state, right? So go educate the people that somehow got on your list for HR platform around these regulations. Because what happens is you make them understand the gap. The gap of like, 
I didn't know I needed this. Now I know I need this. Now I have all this information, but I don't have the skills or time or resources to do it in-house or myself. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good. That's good. And and that's the kind of that's the kind of message I I might open. It is it is difficult and understandably difficult um to know who's got the problem that you can help educate about. Like mm -hmm. I get I get some cold outreach emails that are they're pretty darn comical. Like what people are offering to do or thinking you, know, you need our uh you know telephony over IP. No, actually I don't. Like seriously, just don't. Million reasons why, but delayed, right? Um so the time it takes to narrow down, niche down, research, you know, like be reasonably sure that well, if you do business in California, you definitely have regulations to be educated on. So <laughs> I got to make that joke. There you go. But like that upfront investment of time, I, I think pays off. What do you think? I do think so too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also feel like it positions you as the expert, right? It It is your way of marketing too. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Uh, no question about that, and and everybody appreciates getting some. Everybody appreciates getting some, getting some um, free help. The the compliment to that, and we'll get off the cold email B two B thing because boy, we could beat that up all day. Yeah, I, that's also I, just numbers game, right? Just to add to that, Matthew. Like, yeah, the reason we get so many like cold emails that are not relevant to us is because all they're looking for is like. Are you a business that has this much in revenue in this kind of industry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a timing thing and it's a numbers game they're playing. Yeah, and, and, and it is hard to get substantive information uh, at scale, right? Like going through a list of 100 potential companies who might want the you know widgets that we've got. It's still messy. I, I have to say one of the uses I've started finding for you know, we'd end up talking about AI, right? One of the uses I've started finding as as uh, uh, Claude and ChatGPT and so on start getting hooked up to more live information sources is like, you sort of help me narrow faster because doing it manually on the unstructured web and LinkedIn, it, it's so flipping time consuming yep. that, that it's easy to just blow it off and say, got the right SAIC code, cool, let's hit send. Yeah. Yep. Which may not be the right thing to do, but there's only so many nanoseconds in a day and stuff like that. On um, back over to Good Sender for a second, and and I want to introduce another loop there because you mentioned that you do SMS as well. Apple announced a couple of weeks ago that in some shape or form they're going to jump on the RCS rich communication bandwagon. I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm going to guess it's not going to be exactly how Google wants them to do it. But I think we're about to see the messaging app that particularly in the U.S. people use all the time um, start to become richer than it's been. And I suspect that there's going to be a bit of a gravitational pull towards marketing on that channel. What do you think? So this is what I've said for SMS, and I've actually said it since 2022. I always go, we're still in the wild, wild west of SMS. Yeah. We're still in that period of time where in email, there was no promotions folder. There was no spam folder. As long as you had someone's email address, your email would go into one little inbox. Yeah. And that's what SMS is right now. Yeah. yeah. We don't have promotions or spam folders per se yet. Yeah. That's going to come. Yeah. That is going to come. And SMS is going to grow as a marketing channel and it's going to get more annoying for us consumers. <laughs> have to. Yeah. I mean, like brands are going to have to figure out, okay. How do we make this less annoying again? And then there's going to be an SMS promotions tab, and then there's going to be an SMS spam folder. I mean, it's going to happen. Even if you just look at the amount of scam, I feel like scams are always a good yeah. indicator. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like you know, when the email scams happened, and everyone was trying to wire money because they yeah. were a royal yeah. family somewhere. So that's happening on SMS now, right? People are texting you like, "Hey, gorgeous. Hey, cutie." Like, so someone sold my text number to some person, and. China or India, where, yeah. and you know, sometimes it's actually really sad because these people are actually forced in like slavery to go scam people, right? Wow, wow. Um, but that is happening. So, yeah. you're, 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 I agree with you about the, um, the scam. It's actually 
scam crooks porno like there's there's the signal early adopters every time a, a new communication channel shows up and like yep yep okay so that's going to work why because you can see that they're there all, yep. already um and there are no folders in my message client yet yeah it's flat you're right Blah. no wonder it's such a pain in the butt um yeah. uh We'll talk about the richer media in a second, but talk to me, give me your take on how the coexistence of SMS email works now and how you think it's going to evolve. I think it's a both and like they're not substitutes for each other. They're very different channels. I mean, sending someone an email and sending someone text, even in your personal life, those are two different purposes, right? So I the, the main mistake I see people make is they treat SMS like a um, copy Sorry. email. Yeah. Like basically like, oh, okay, I'm going to send this to you via email. I'm also going to send you a, a shorter version via text. And I think that is so wrong. And I have like my favorite example. I always bring this up. There is Ease, which is a cannabis delivery company. And they're in kind of hot waters because they bought a bunch of email lists, uh, SMS numbers and started texting people. That doesn't go over as well as it does via email when you do that. Mm. So there's like a class action lawsuit going on. But yeah. they would send me every Thursday, like, here's $20 off. Here's $20 off. And granted, their copywriting was always good. But like as an email marketer, you know, I look at that. And I'm like, hmm, they've sent me the same offer and text basically for five weeks. And I have not taken any action. And they're really missing out on using this channel as a Again, a value add. Complete opposite example is we're not really strangers. I don't know if you've heard of them. So they're like an intimacy card game. You play with people and you ask each other deep questions and you build connection that way. Mm -hmm. So it matches their brand, but they would send texts. Like one time I was working and it was like 10 p.m. or probably like 8 p.m. And I got a text and it was like, oh, um, hey, bestie, I'm proud of you right now. Just wanted to let you know that. I was like, who's this from? But I had such a positive emotional reaction to it yeah, yeah. that I remember that. And I tell people on podcasts now all the time. Yeah, yeah. If you Google Ease SMS, all you see is the class action lawsuit. Right. If you Google We're Not Really Strangers SMS, yeah. they've gone so viral with their SMS that it's all over Twitter. And they had to make it a whole separate service. It's a whole separate paid service now because their SMS list grew so fast. So they really honored sort of the social, cultural, personal attributes and dimensions of the channel, which are different from Exactly, email. which are completely different than email, right? And they're complementary, yeah. but they're... Yeah, email, emails, I'll get to it and later and file and folder and all of that stuff. I have multiple email inboxes. I'm sure you don't. Uh, SMS... Again, particularly U.S., we should talk about other other uh, domains a little bit, but in particularly U.S., Canada, like that's the most personal interrupt. Yep. From a message perspective, like, bing, if that my phone went off while we're sitting here talking live, I'd look at it, darn it. I'd look at it. I should lay it down flat, but I'd look at it and I have the screen up where I can see it, yep. right? I, there's one brand. I've continued to subscribe to their SMS because I really like their T-shirts. All they're doing is training me to wait for the sale. Yeah. There's sale after sale. I know, I know. Oh, I like the blue one. Yeah. Wait, in a month, it'll be 80% off. Right? Yeah. Are they really gaining with that? And SMS is flipping expensive compared to email. Oh, so expensive. Yeah. So so the like the, the cannabis company you mentioned, like just continuing to pound you, that's an expensive hobby. And there's so like, you know, there's a reason I'm not converting, right? Yeah. And yeah. for a lot of times, it's just maybe the desire isn't there. Maybe I don't trust this brand enough. And you know what this, I like the cannabis example because I think it's a really interesting customer. You have so many different angles you can go. You can go to health route. A lot of people use it for health, right? right. And then they self-identify as that customer. Why don't you give them value-added content around health? Yeah. Yeah. They can be like the funny, whatever, recreational user. If it's that customer, why don't you send them an SMS on Friday night and say like your, your, I don't know, your stoner movie picks for the weekend, right? Whatever you want to do. But it's just like identify your customer, 
figure out what they like and then add some value to their life. And then you can sprinkle in your sales. Yeah. Yeah. Sales, people will actually want to go and check out your sales. And for a t-shirt company, even if you don't have like what value are they going to add, right? Like that's a different audience. But just like talk about new product launches. Talk about like an interesting fact about the fabric that you use. Not every text has to be. Sell, sell, sell. uh, Sell. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't, that's an interesting one because I mean, you're in California, right? I'm in Washington state. Washington was the second of the U.S. states to legalize cannabis. So we've sort of, we've, we've, we've ridden through that. It's just part of the landscape now, just like a gas station, so to speak. If I got on a list like that and started getting those texts, it irked me because it's like, it's just not something I, I do. Yeah. If someone asked me up front, do you want this or not? I appreciate that. Or you know, are you interested in, you know, we're keeping track of cultural impact or adoption or whatever else. Like maybe there's a business angle where I'd go, yeah, keep me informed. Right. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to buy any, <laughs> but keep yeah. me informed. But, but here's one of the dilemmas I see. And I see this in email and text. Uh, getting enough input back from, from the always busy consumer or customer to be able to bucket segment group and be more targeted is it's hard. It's very hard, right? You got most companies, email lists have email addresses in them and not across the board, not a hell of a lot else. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's a, that's a mighty slim branch to be standing on when you're trying to segment group, be meaningful, be specific, et cetera. It's like, oh, it's a bunch of guesswork sometimes. There's not a lot going on there. I mean, that's why for e-commerce specifically, I love Clavio. I think oh, we're, what we're going to talk about Clavio. I knew that. Yes. Go. <laughs> well, that's why I love Clavio for e-commerce. And, you know, Sendlane kind of as the incumbent has very similar functionality. But what they do well is the data. It's not really anything else but the fact that they're so good at putting together the data, which is like, I can go into Clavio and I can say, show me everyone who's bought the green shirt because I'm going to go and I'm going to cross sell them the yellow. Pants. Yeah. Yeah. Don't judge my fashion sense in this case, but as an example, right? Right, right. Um, I can go and I can say, show me everyone who's been on the website in the last 30 days. Show me everyone who's bought more than three times and spent more than $150. And so that's what's really, really cool. And then I can have people self-identify too, right? Via the topic, one. Hey, why are you interested in cannabis? Medicinal, recreational. I'm actually just here for business news. I'm not a user. or I can have them self-identify in the email. So one thing we did is we sent an email um, where we were just like, hey, why are you, for example, like what is your main concern uh, with your skin? It's dry or it's oily or I'm breaking out. One or- but- single buttons. And you can just click in the email. Yeah. And when they click in the email, their profile gets tagged. And now I know this yeah. person's concern is oily skin. Yeah, yeah. And then I can build that segment and target the emails around that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, um, I kind of, I would have guessed that that was one of the things that, that would make you a, uh, you're, you're clearly a Clavio fan, even just from your LinkedIn profile, as am I on they're they're better tied into the other systems involved in commerce. And so many, uh, so many marketers are kind of hamstrung. It's like the cash register is not talking to the kitchen is not talking to the head waiter. And they're kind of guessing over and over because they're not necessarily getting the data of those other touch points back where Clavio, particularly with Shopify, let's be, let's be yeah. realistic. Clavio has, has done the work to wire those things together. $150 million investment from Shopify probably didn't hurt um, the motivation to get that done, but okie dokie. Um, not everybody, it's not, a, it's not the right choice or the available choice for everybody. And I find it interesting that some of the, Big, expensive ESPs are way the heck behind on that particular dimension, my humble opinion. But, yeah. you know, you, you work with, you work with, uh, you work with, yeah, tools you've got. I'm just curious because I want to, while, while, while I've got the time talking with you, um, how, how much attention do you pay to behavioral and marketing practice differences between where you live and work now and Germany, where you're, I think you said you're from? Good question. 
a little bit. I mean, <clears throat> we have clients in Europe. We work with German brands, so we have to pay attention to GDPR and all this okay. good stuff. Okay. So we pay attention to it. Um, is it like my main focus every day? No, not at all, but we definitely yeah. pay attention. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're, it's easy. To, I'm sure it happens in every country. You sort of think the way you do things is normal. You know, it's normal for that place. It's not normal for this yeah. place. Um, is it WhatsApp that's so dominant in Europe? No one uses here? Yeah, it's dominant in Europe for like personal chats. Personal chats. Um, I know in like China, WeChat and stuff WeChat like that. WeChat is also yeah. really dominant for like marketing stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like it. It's the it's the the you know the one app, the Uber app, uh, the thesis, which is which has worked. Like in 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 China, yeah. for sure, it's worked, and it sort of de facto seems to have stuck in Europe. I don't think it's gonna happen here. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna sneak in. Under the guise of RCS, yeah, because my my sort of the relationships I care most about are already on that channel, right? Yep. And if I said to my wife, "Hey, let's use WeChat," she'd say, "Yeah, sleep in the basement. Shut up. It's not going to happen." Yeah, because she's just used to it, and that gets wired right. in as technologies evolve, and it's very hard to unwire. Yeah, yeah. I won't say like we do use. Um, WhatsApp, like personally, interestingly, yeah. and maybe it's because I'm European, but I do use it with a lot of friend groups when it comes to group text messages. Interesting. People don't have an iPhone. Right. The green bubble thing, sort of. Yeah. And you'll get professionals who will sort of, if if they have enough stuff in common, I've seen people adopt Slack for that. Yeah. There was a, there was a group texting app called Orca uh, six, seven years ago. and I made a pod, that was their term, for the relatively tight group of, of friends that we've got. And they liked that, but it didn't, it kind of didn't stick. And now the green bubble penalty of Android people in your yeah. iPhone world and so on is it's, it's, it's a very big deal. Back to the messaging thing for a second. One of the changes that's likely to happen if Apple is is pretty uh, aggressive in their RCS adoption is much more uh, interactive media, et cetera, much richer messaging experience. And that's a domain that email will never be particularly good at. What do you think? Depends. I have a lot of hope for AMP and email too. It's going to happen. Sorry. No, it's not going to happen. We're playing around a lot with it with some platforms like Stripo, Mailmodo, yes. some stuff that's working. I, I have hope. Yeah. I will say, I would love to hear why you think it's not going to happen because I've had hope for a long time. Yeah. 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 And I, 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 I get, I get, I get in Dutch for this one, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually blunt about it. And Dimitri Kudranko, uh, CEO of Stripo, was, was a guest on Future of Email about a year and a half ago. Um, so I'm, I, I love what the platform, is doing, I think AMP is, is a valiant attempt to do a partial job of making email interactive, yep. but Apple will never support AMP. It is incompatible with their privacy views. And that's 60% market share of email clients in the US. Well, what I wonder too, I mean, I think about this a lot too, because Apple's privacy move, in my opinion, was very self-serving. I don't think it had anything to do with actually wanting to protect people's privacy, right? Tend to agree, yeah. Um, but I do feel like with Apple, and this is just an overall sentiment, okay? They're still definitely the market leader. But like, I look at their new Apple phone releases and I'm like, cool, so absolutely zero innovation. Yeah, same same, same thing over again. For years, for yeah. years, no yeah. innovation, no innovation. And like, Android phones really are actually like better hardware wise. And so except for the C except for the chips. Yeah. And listen, I'm a hardcore Apple fan. I have a Mac. I have an iPhone. I love that brand. Like yeah. my mom used to joke that she should be banned at Apple because for some reason <laughs> she doesn't know how to use any of their products, but she loves going to their stores. Um, and I've been I've been a Mac adopter like way early. Like I was one of those people. I got I had a Mac when like none of the software I needed was actually available for my Mac in high school. Yeah. I, just because they had like a cool deal and I don't know how like how it happened. But I do wonder if like there's going to be bigger shifts, which means like Apple will lose their market lead. Like someone will come in and will disrupt like the way Motorola was disrupted, the way Nokia was disrupted, who are all the 
incumbents at that time. And that can make AMP possible. Um, I actually don't even use Apple Mail anymore. I use Gmail on my phone. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I actually do. I do as well. Yeah. But that's me. That's you. Market share wise. Yeah. Sorry, it's uh, six. It, we, there's actually a cold. I, I did a paper about this. There's a cold war <laughs> in email. That's that. It's very difficult to see unless you look in the right place. Sixty-six percent, give or take, uh, market share of inboxes is Google's. Yeah. Email, but sixty percent or so of clients used to touch those inboxes are Apple, and that's a funny locus of control to duke it out like this. And and. I tend to suspect that the footprint of mobile operating systems is not a landscape that's as likely to get disrupted for the sake of the device. I do think how Google and Apple navigate the introduction of agent agents in artificial intelligence um, is could make or break their foothold there. Like, am I going to have a square device in my pocket for the foreseeable future? Yes. Honestly, it's too damn useful not to. Yeah. What's the core purpose of that thing? That may shift. That may shift because it's been, it was phone calls and now it's not. And now it's sort of a digital Swiss army knife is the reason I carry it. You know, it's got, it's, it's my wallet. It's my this, it's my that, et cetera. If Apple bobbles the ball, of making it my best friend, professionally speaking, personally speaking, they 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 could be in a world of hurt. They better be looking at that really, really hard. But so should Google. Did you see the new? Um, oh, I don't remember what it's called. It's like this little square device you can yes. put on your purse. Yeah, the pin. Yeah, yeah. the pin, the AI yeah. pin, or something like that. Yeah, I yeah, it yeah. Was, thought it was an interesting attempt. Yeah. At the vision. Yeah, at the vision. I'm not well, going to buy it. Still think there's a lot missing there. But I do think, you know, speaking about the device thing, I do think it's interesting and it's important for email in the larger scope because what I am also noticing as a sentiment in consumers is they actually want to be away from their device more. They have their device with them, but it's almost like, you know, you're a smoker and you're trying to stop smoking. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there has, like, there has been a negative connotation to consistently being on your device and connected. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how that is also going to um, decide the development of, of our connectedness. Yeah, interesting question. Your social, your phones. Yeah. Interesting question. I mean, uh, we're, we're, we are not done with, with uh, this set of adoptions. Uh, going back to the amp and smartphone thing for one last time. Um, the other issue that is going to shape email's place in that in this evolving landscape that's pretty fundamental, it is fundamental, is that email is is one of the few dumb, D-U-M-B, dumb, um, digital endpoints in our lives. There's no scripting. There's no programmability in email. That is a very big difference from every other channel we look at. And including messaging systems. Yeah. And unless we end up with like a sort of full scale, um, actual, you know, compute capable of Neumann machine in email, which I don't see on the landscape and I don't see backed by any standards bodies, email will remain the dumb endpoint. That may mean it's trustable in a way all the others aren't. Yeah. Um, which, which like it could be kind of its virtue in the long run, I, if, if you work much with lawyers, which I, I, I do at the moment for some interesting reasons, um, they think of email as, as like this fixed entity. Well, do you have the emails? I'm like, what do you mean the emails? Like I can actually change what's in your inbox, which freaks them out because um, they think of it as a static fixed thing. It's hard to think. You don't think of a web page as a static fixed thing. You don't think of an app as a static fixed thing. You shouldn't think of text messages as that. Either, although judging from recent lawsuits and government activity, maybe text messages are kind of there as well. But email's dumb. Like your Gmail client does no scripting except for AMP. So yeah. 
Well, it is interesting, right? Because I can send a text message via Apple and then go and edit it later. Or there you go. A good example. Yeah, good example. I can't really do that with email. Can't really do that with email. Lawyers are a funny example because lawyers send emails like, I, I just had one from a lawyer too. It's like confidential. Like it's very, it's yeah. like they took email and they basically made it what what like really confidential documents used to yes. be. Yes, yes. It's funny that you mentioned lawyers because they do, they do view email that way. They live on it, man. And like some of the email threads from it goes, I, I was just looking at one this morning. It months. And thinking of it as a confidential channel, like, God, I hate to tell you guys, but it like, leaks like a sieve. <laughs> right. I, I don't want to, I don't want to send you that as a doc. I need to do it confidentially in email. Like, yeah. Oof, okay, okay. <laughs> whatever, whatever you think there guys, but uh, For sure. yeah, not, not, a, not necessarily an early adopter. <laughs> but I am curious too, like with phones, um, <clears throat> something that I've been going down the rabbit hole of is I keep getting calls. And then these calls are duped under our, like, like my, my boyfriend's brother, he's called me twice and I call him back. And then he goes, I never called you. And I'm like, I had yeah. you a missed phone call on yeah, my phone. Spoof number. They're spoofing numbers. So I wonder like how that's going to happen with texts as well. If that's a danger. Yeah. Uh, so well, yeah, the, the, thing about text really good. the texting and messaging world. I mean, we've got this odd interleave again, especially in the U S with the phone number. You're in much more regulated territory there than you are with, with email. I mean, government technical involvement in email is darn near nil. Government mm-hmm. technical involvement in phone numbers? Yeah, there's some, there's some laws and regs and infrastructure with big nasty teeth there. Yep. So your company that bought a bunch of phone numbers and started dumping messages on them, yeah, of course they got a class action lawsuit yep. facing them. Yeah. Trust is, trust is going to be a hard thread to hold on to between the explosion of channels and the explosion of credible looking content that we're already seeing from AI. It's, it's, it's just gonna, this is gonna be a, a bit of a messy world. Very. Yeah, very. Um, one last hook to, to back to email marketing. Um, Cause you talked about the importance of segmentation and we touched on the difficulty of, of sort of acquiring enough data to segment meaningfully. I'm uh. I'm kind of on record as saying the first party personalization thing is ridiculously difficult. And in most cases, no one's actually doing it successfully. Gardner even agrees with me. What do you think? First party personalization, like an email. So saying, for example, give me an example of what you think is not working. Well, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're a furniture company, you know, selling custom furniture, was that your example early in your career? How long did it take before you knew enough about somebody to put them in a segment other than general? Uh, Not very long, actually. Did they have to purchase to get there? So it depends. Like, yes, yes and no. Um, There are parts, and again, this is Klaviyo Shopify integration, that I get very easily. If you do sign up, you obviously have to, for email, you have to sign up, right? I have to get you to sign up. Um, If you do sign up, there's a data like for for not purchasing, like I said, there's a data point that I can get that comes from the pop-up. Mm-hmm. What we've seen with the pop-ups is the more questions I ask, the more the conversion rate goes down. Uh, yep. But the more questions I ask, the higher is my conversion rate and the welcome flow I send you after because it's more personalized. Okay. So so you trade yeah. off the uh, you, you trade off the friction at the front end for a return on the back end of, of higher personalization. Well the first party data there is really first party there because first they want they tell you. The other thing that we can see is like site visits, products they looked at, mm-hmm. if they added to cart, what they added to cart, right? So we get behavioral data from them, which is pretty cool. With that, we can do a lot of segments too, right? Because I can go and I can say, show me everyone who has been on the website in the last 30 days and viewed more than five products, as an example. Or show me everyone who's been active on the website, but has not walked, like looked at a single product and then I can say, okay, now my goal is to get them to click to the products. That yeah. first party data works. Um, other stuff like email behavior works, right? Like show me everyone who's clicked on an email in the last Black Friday, Cyber Monday deal series. And then I can market to them now with a special discount code. That stuff works. Now, if we're talking about like who they are, what they do, 
when they purchase, we get more stuff on like predictive gender, which is something cool that Clavio does. So they can predict the gender with AI. We get a predicted purchase amount. We get a predicted customer lifetime value. We get all that from AI once we have more behavior on their end. So once they do purchase, we can build a little bit of a better profile. Mm-hmm. But listen, as a complete, no, not in any means. Absolutely. And, it, and it's skewed towards the brand specific interaction, like the brand that says, you know, you bought a lot of fishing gear, you must drive a pickup. Judging from the fishing gear, not from me. Yep. Right. Correct. And and maybe it's a reasonable stretch, but it's a it's it's like I call it like look, you're looking through the slit in the fence, right? It's that's just your stuff. That's not my whole life. Hundred percent. Hard to make a lot of assumptions. Well, although Clavio Shopify and and uh, you're working in a richer ecosystem from that perspective than most email marketers. A lot of the examples that you just ticked off are very hard to get outside of that that tighter knit ecosystem. And Shopify, I believe, has they're building quite a segmentation data set on Shopify interactions across their network of stores. And I assume that a lot of Clavio customers probably tap that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that would be insane if we can get access to all that data. Like if they can go and they look at my email and they look every single Shopify store I have purchased at. Yeah. Yeah. Customer profile like that. Yeah. I don't know if I want. Then we, yeah, we end up in the privacy question, don't we? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I want that to be released to e-commerce brands sure. at yeah. once, yeah. but I do know that if it were, they could build a much more accurate profile of myself. Yeah. And again, listen, I think about this all the time because on Instagram for a while when they were like, you know, ask app not to track, I would just say, yes, don't ask the app to track. And then I was like, I am not getting ads that I care about. Now I'm just getting shitty. Now I'm just getting bad ads. I'm with you. So now I just tell you, you know what? It's fine track. So at least that the ads I get are interesting to me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And and that is, that's a great laser on example. I mean, when, 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 uh, when Apple, back to Apple, when, when Apple threw that monkey wrench in a whole bunch of business models, particularly Facebook's with the app tracking transparency thing, like it, it put a lot of hurt on on facebook in particular because they they lost a, the data flow that had been there for a decade some people and i'm i'm partially with you there like there's ads that i just don't need to see like i'm never going to buy etc should i surrender a bit more of my data to get more relevant stuff you know i do i one of the reasons i one of the reasons i buy things on amazon is to stick with a channel that already knows a lot about me, I might as well go there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's faster, it's easier, you know, preferences, purchase history, all that other stuff. But we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to figure out this bouncing act as a culture at large now. You know, you're in California, privacy regs, Washington, unusual, surprisingly uh, important privacy reg under the guise of health. About nine other states have done this. We don't have a national policy or national law. And I think we're a couple of years away from that, judging from my conversations in that space. And I'm not sure that you could get 100 people in a room and get them to agree on on where that trade-off should lie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. I think it's difficult. Um, like I said, I mean, you saw in my personal life, that was yeah. Yeah. that was a back and forth decision. Well, and it's, it, it is one of the things that makes the like marketing domain Kind of interesting because we do have to live, right? We do have to live right right on the knife edge of that stuff. Do you ask me eight questions so you can send me a better email? Will I, you know, will I answer eight questions or will I bail? Yeah. Well, it's also interesting. Like, did you hear that they were going to roll out like personalized pricing for flights? Essentially, if they know based off of your data that you're willing to pay more, they're going to make your ticket more expensive. If they know you're not willing to pay more, they're going to make it cheaper. And like. Listen, if I could do this in my business and someone has a huge budget and they don't care sure, and I can sure. sell it to them for more, sure. sure. But then ethically, I'm like, that just seems wrong, <laughs> you know? And Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as a consumer on top of that, I'm like, no, now now I'm actually mad. <laughs> so, Well, here, let me give you a hypothetical question. We may have to, this may have to be a follow-up, uh, not a podcast conversation. If I could, if I could put a signal in your sign-up form that that gave you strong indicators about you know household income or interest or whatever else 
would you be ethically okay with differentiating what products or offers or whatever went out in the welcome email to those segments? I think what I would be ethically okay with is tailoring it to your needs. So like if I see you're a company with a big budget, mm -hmm. I might send you our larger package, this many emails at this price point. I don't think I could ethically send you the same package at different price points. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It made me feel weird. You know, I'm like, you're getting the same service. I'm just. Yeah. Like, well, we're it, it, easy example to drag in because it's fun to beat them up. But that bobble that that BMW had about six months ago with charging for the seat heaters to be on or not, like they're already wired into the car. Are you insane? No way. This is not good. No way. This is going to end well for BMW as a move because it just feels. Unfair. It feels wrong. It feels stupid. It feels like a gouge, right? And I think planes have done that too, Nora. Like if you fly Spirit Airlines, I'm like, you know, the next thing you're going to have to pay extra for is to breathe air. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to hold your breath the entire flight. At the best. So, yeah. yeah, I think people are, you know, companies are trying to maximize profits. Uh, also, because in a lot of times the landscape has gotten harder for them, I'm sure. And I think mm -hmm. it, there's going to come a point where consumers are going to be you know, feeling scammed. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think we're, maybe we're getting there already. The, I heard someone of a much younger generation me say, you know, something like, yeah, late stage capitalism, we're mon we monetize everything. And it was like, I could certainly see why there's such emotion behind that statement. Cause it yeah. feels like you get pecked to death. Yeah. I mean, Whoop. Gen Z especially yeah. is very, very anti-capitalism. Um, it feels like. If, yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, that, that, that's a whole nother interesting conversation. And Gen Z and email is an interesting one as well. Yeah, right? they all like email. That's Yeah, that's they do, doing. right? That's cool. Well, we're at the top of the hour, and I promised I would not tie. Ooh, in fact, someone else is going to jump on another Zoom here, so I should probably bail. But, Melanie, I'm so glad you made the time. I, I, this is a, one of the more rabbit hole conversations we've had. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. I know we went we went a lot of different routes, but a lot of different stuff happening that will affect, I think, email and SMS. Yeah, are bigger picture conversations to think about. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if someone is uh, interested, whether it's getting your help setting up their email department or getting you to, you know, help them with their marketing, period, where's the best place for them to reach out and contact your company? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Melanie Balky, or just go to www.theemailmarketers.com. You can book a call with me pretty easily through that website as well. Cool. Well, I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks so much for making the time. Thank you.